What's up, fam? Good morning and happy Wednesday. Or for those who celebrate, happy hump day. I hope you had an awesome weekend watching the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl has not yet happened, so I cannot tell you if I'm excited or not. Um, I'm excited for the Super Bowl. Um, I am not sure who won yet, obviously, because I'm not telepathic. But I am very excited to watch the game this evening. We have tacos and pizza and junk food. I've been working out probably four days a week now, only 20 minutes a day. Because as much as I love to work out for an hour at a time, my body can only handle 20 minutes a day. So 20 minutes a day is all I've been biking. But I bike really heavy and it feels absolutely amazing. So uh, definitely on the path of self-care and taking care of myself and I'm enjoying that. So I know the past two episodes have been super heavy and a little bit dark and I told you guys at the beginning of January we were going to be having really hard talks and I want to do that because I want you to understand that as much as I look back at my life and I joke about things and I can say, holy crap, I can't believe I did that. There's a huge part of me that looks back on some of those things and wonders how I made them out, how I made them out alive. Um, and at the time, they were not a laughing matter. So I wanted to talk about the things that aren't laughing matters. And I know that a lot of people actually have had relapsed dreams and I read a post the other day actually and someone said that they woke up they realized they had had a drinking dream or relapse dream and they had this peace and serenity because they realized that they actually hadn't been drinking so I love when you can take some of your really crappy past and make it a positive so that people can learn from it. It's not always easy, you know, it, putting myself out there telling you that I've had affairs with married men, that I've had four felonies, that I used to drive drunk. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't look at that and go, oh my god, I can't wait for everybody to relate to me. I, <laughs> no, I don't want you to have to relate to me, but we do. And that's what makes this bond so special. That's what makes this program so special is literally all of you. I am so thankful that I can go to my podcaster, Ask Jake, um, how we're doing on downloads and he'll be able to tell me if we're killing it or not. And I, that just like, this podcast continues to grow in the community, in the sober community. And that is what I want to talk about today. I absolutely want to talk about... Okay, for those of you who just heard that, that was my dog coming into the room and he just busted open the studio door and flopped down right next to me. I'm okay. He's okay, I think. He's depressed because we're not playing ball right now, but I digress. He'll be fine. So, anyway, back to the program. What I was saying was that this program and all of you are a source of hope for me. And when I say that you're a source of hope for me, 
I was talking to Jake the other day and we were trying to think of like things to put into this program and into this episode, I mean. And uh, I told him, I said, hey, I'm in the middle of something right now. I'm writing. Can you do me a favor and look up stories in the big book that specifically talk about hope? And he was like, yeah, sure, I can do that. No big deal. Like, he does whatever I ask because he's amazing like that. And he's kind and he's loving and it's his birthday today. So happy birthday, Jake, to the best producer ever. Um... So he texts me back probably a couple hours later. I had been working and he was looking and he said, you know, I can't, can't find specific stories on hope. And I said, well, really? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, well, you know, but isn't that the basis of the program is hope? And I kind of sat back and I was like, yeah, yeah, you are absolutely accurate. Like that is the whole purpose of this program is hope. You're not going to look in the big book or come to a meeting and hear someone talk about hope. Um, it might be a topic for discussion at some point. It might be a um, lesson that someone learned somewhere that they brought up during a meeting. But as a general rule, there is no actual mention in a story or in the literature that says, I had hope. The places that you're going to find it is in the second step, but it's not necessarily in the second step. The second step is just a measure of hope, right? So the first step measures our despair. It deals with admission, acceptance, defeat, um, powerlessness, and so when we talk about the second step, we talk about a power greater than ourselves. And we hope that that power greater than ourselves can bring us to sanity, you know? And we talk about our experience, our strength, and our hope. And I had an incident the other night and I had a friend reach out to me and talk about a mental breakdown that they had had. I have had, obviously, quite a few of these in my sobriety. It's hard to avoid, especially if you deal with mental health issues. Um, I also deal with health issues as well as mental health issues, alcoholism. So breakdowns are unfortunately kind of frequent. Uh, they're not as frequent as they used to be. And I asked my friend, I said, did you get through it sober? And they told me, yeah, I got through it sober. And I was like, oh my God, like, I don't think you understand how big of a deal that is. You just made it through your first mental breakdown sober. That is a huge, huge deal. So I was honest and I said, you know, there's times when I'm going through things like that and I absolutely, a drink will cross my mind and they're like, what, really? Absolutely. If any alcoholic tells you that a drink doesn't cross their mind, they're absolutely lying to you. Now, there is a caveat here because 
when we were in a meeting a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about powerlessness over alcohol. We've had a lot of newcomers lately, which is so cool to me. Um, I know that sounds weird that I'm happy that people are alcoholic, but I'm not. I'm very happy that people are finding a solution to their alcoholism. When we were talking about powerlessness over alcohol, a member in my group said, I don't want to drink. I wish I could have a drink. And that resonated with me. That made so much sense. It was insane. And I told my friend that. I said, you know, I think about drinking. I don't have a compulsion to drink. It's been lifted from me. I don't need to have a drink to control my emotions, my feelings, my pain. And even when I'm in the throes of pain, I am not like, oh my God, I absolutely have to have a drink so I'm not in pain. Um... I do want to find a solution to that pain, and unfortunately, a couple of weeks ago, I think I told you guys, and if I didn't, I had a migraine, and I had to take a narcotic uh, to help with the pain, as well as an anti-inflammatory and a migraine med. It was just, I had to be knocked out for a little bit to help my brain swelling, (laughs) and no, it wasn't my ego, it was actually brain swelling, and when you're in that state, you remember all the times before when you felt like that. And to know that you don't ever have to feel that way again is absolutely freeing. It's amazing. And that's the hope, right? Jake was right. The entire program of AA and sobriety The premise of it is hope. So I really started to think about things that were so desperate for me when I was using. And the times that I thought things were so hopeless. And it really made me think of all the things that started to come true because of the promises Because of the hope that I had in the program. And I never wanted to feel drunk, out of control, loopy, silly, fuzzy, any of that ever again. And the program of AA itself, or sobriety. I know some of you don't subscribe to AA and that is just fine with me. As long as you're in a program that's working for you. That is all that I care about. But the whole premise of sobriety is understanding that there is hope for us. And if you don't believe it, you can go to a meeting and see it. You can go to the big book and read the stories in the back of the big book. And I really thought back on my life. And I know I jumped a little bit back and forth there and I apologize about that. Um, hopeless, hopelessness for me, man, I, I really thought looking back on it, that hopelessness was a state of being, right? Like life was not going to get better than it was at that point. Even if I left my spouse, which I had wanted to do for years off and on. Even if I left my spouse, 
my life was going to get no better than what it was. Because that is the way that I had programmed myself to believe. I had believed that without alcohol, I'm worthless. Without those people I so-called my friends in my life, I was worthless. Without my high-powered job, I was worthless. And it never dawned on me that the reason all of those things were worth less was because I had allowed myself to believe that those were the things that were going to make me a better person. Not my personality, not my power, not my strength, not my individualism. I truly believed that things on the outside made me better. (laughs) And that is some hopelessness, folks. That is living for other people. I have lived for other people (laughs) all my life. All my life, I've lived for other people. (laughs) All my life up until recently. I've done things for myself here and there. But there is nothing like the power of taking yourself back. And I never, in a million years, looking back and looking at my progress in sobriety, in April of 2010, would have thought that that girl would be where she is today. But that's the beauty of the program. I put my faith and my hope and my understanding into a sponsor. I put my faith, my hope, and my understanding into a higher power that could help me. I put faith, hope, and understanding into a program of successful program that as long as I showed up and listened, put the sock in my mouth and didn't talk, I would learn something. And I have. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about humility. I've learned a lot about what I'm capable of. And I've learned that The strongest part of me is not my stubbornness. (laughs) It's strong. It's strong. Don't, Don't get me wrong. It's strong. But my mind is stronger. Because it's so clear. Because I've actually worked through the program and worked through the issues that I have, I'm able to discern between right and wrong. I'm able to see something when it's hopeless. I'm able to reach for hope when I need to. And it blows my mind to think that I thought the solution was in a bottle. I also thought the solution was letting people tell me what to do. Who to be. How I should be. And um, I'll be damned if every now and then I don't fall into that category (laughs) every now and then. But when I think about the hope that I have for myself, 
The hope that I have for myself is that I stay sober, right? The hope that I have for myself is that I am able to take my last breath on this earth as a sober human being. The hope that I have for myself is that I hope when you listen to this program that you know you're not alone. I don't care if you've been out drinking or if you've been sober for a year or if you've been sober for two days or 25 years. My hope is that you can listen to this program and know that you're not alone. You know, I I think a lot about podcasts and listening to a lot of the podcasts that have guests and things like that. And I love that because it talks about other people's experience, strength, and hope. But there's rarely a program out there that talks about the daily crap we deal with in our brains, right? There's not many programs out there that the host is going to come on and tell you that they wish they could have a drink. But if I'm not honest with you, I'm not being honest with myself. And, you know, my hope is that you know that. That you have taught me to be honest with myself. And if you could see me right now, I am not dressed gloriously. I'm sitting here in a see-through t-shirt that is two times too big for me and a pair of, like, sleeping shorts. My hair's up. I'm a mess. But when I'm sitting here, I see all of your faces. And I see the people that just want to get better. And I remember being there. I remember, shit, being there sometimes every day for a week. A week at a time, you know. I remember sitting there and wondering when was it going to get better? How was it going to get better? Because at this time, I don't see it getting better. And that's when we just have to realize that we have to reach out our hand. We have to reach out our hand. We have to ask for help. And even when we don't feel like doing that, when we don't feel like reaching out our hand and asking for hope, that's the time when we need to do it the most. I did not want to go to a meeting yesterday. I did not want to go to my meeting yesterday. I was tired. I didn't have to do coffee yesterday. I wanted to sleep in because work has been kicking my butt and I have spent a lot of time um, baseball writing on the outside and um, I have another small business that seems to be taking off. And so for me, I did not want to go to the meeting yesterday, but my husband has been going... Again, my husband's been going to the meetings with me, and he really enjoys them. I think um, he might be going through his own things, so he has been finding a lot of solace in just the program itself. And so he got up yesterday, and I got up yesterday, and we went to the meeting, you know, and I'm really glad that we did because we had a newcomer, and I always love my newcomers. I love talking to people and meeting new people. I'm just a social butterfly. Um, but I got to see a friend that I haven't seen in probably over a year 
And I was just so excited to see her. I was so excited that she had shown up to the meeting and they invited me out for pancakes afterwards, but I had um, an interview I had to do yesterday. So I wasn't able to go. But when I met up with them or when I, I've not met up with them, when I went to the meeting and saw everyone, it was a reminder that even when we don't want to go, those are the times that we should be going. Because you never know what you will need to hear, right? Why didn't I want to go yesterday? Well, because I was tired and I haven't missed an AA meeting in six or seven months, which is not, it's not a break. Don't ever brag about like going to as many meetings as you can or missing as many, like it's not a break. I'm just saying like I haven't missed a meeting on a Saturday morning and I was just tired. But I was grumpy and cranky before I even went to the meeting. And when I got to the meeting, I was just really glad to see my friends. I was really glad that I went because I got to see Joe, And she's amazing. And my friend Michelle was there too. So, you know, the times you don't want to go to the meetings, those are definitely the times that you should be going to meetings. It's kind of like working out. You don't want to put your shoes on. You guys, I've been doing really good with working out lately, even when I don't want to. Um... It's like lacing up before you go to work out. I don't want to work out, but my body needs it, and I need it for my health. And yes, my doctor tells me that I need to be a certain weight and be healthy um, for my medication and my condition. But I also enjoy the me time that I take when I work out. Um, so for me, AA is like me time. And yeah, my husband goes, but to be honest, I don't even notice that he's there because I'm there for myself and I'm there for the other people in AA. Um, we have an open group. There are some groups that are closed. So, you know, you can't always bring your spouse. But if there's an open meeting and your spouse is interested in going or your partner or, you know, whatever, um, and it's an open meeting, they can go. There's no one's stopping them. And they don't have to speak up. They don't have to say anything. Just go. Um, and there's so much hope in that room that even when we go and there's a newcomer, right? And we talk about step one or what it was like for us in the beginning, when we have that opportunity to go over step one or the beginning, it never, I always love a good step meeting. I love a first step meeting because I love remembering the hopelessness. I love remembering how hard things used to be in the beginning. It doesn't make me upset <laughs> to talk about the same thing every week because you don't hear the same thing every week. Um, it's kind of like going to church, right? You can go into church and they're going to talk about God, but they're going to talk about different aspects of God, right? They're going to talk about the things God did um, for Noah and his family. They're going to talk about Job. They're going to talk about uh, the, uh, I can't even think, you guys, <laughs> the creation of earth, for one thing. Um, so even though you go to church to hear about God, you're going to hear about different versions of God. And just when you think you've heard everything, you haven't. Or just when you think you've said everything, you haven't. There's so many good things about a first step meeting. 
And that's what yesterday was. And it was full of hope and it was full of happiness and laughter. And I remember when I came into the rooms, I couldn't understand why everyone was happy and why everyone was laughing because I certainly wasn't happy and I certainly wasn't laughing. And I could not for the life of me understand what in the hell was wrong with people. And I just knew that I wanted to be that happy someday. I just knew that I wanted whatever they had. And what's really weird is I got it. I got it. I got what they had. I got the release. I got the feelings. I got the laughter. I got the acronyms. I got it all. And I got it all because my hopelessness turned into hope. The more I came back, the more I saw, the more I heard, the more I understood that my hopelessness could turn into hope. And it's never really the end unless you want it to be, unless you let it be. And I... at one point wanted it to be the end. I was tired of hurting. I was tired of being in pain. And even though I didn't think when I first came in the rooms that I was an alcoholic, I couldn't think of anything else. I couldn't think of anything else in the world that was hindering my life the way alcohol was. And when I was recording the episode a couple of weeks ago on fear, you know, it really dawned on me that I didn't have a good grasp of the program until into year seven or eight because I, I hadn't fully surrendered it until then. I hadn't fully surrendered to the idea that my life was unmanageable. I was white knuckling it and I still wasn't happy. I still wasn't prospering, but even though I was sober, I was still in pain. And once I turned to my sponsor and said, when Brandon died, I turned to my sponsor and I said, please God help me. I don't want to end up like Brandon. And she did. Man, she waited patiently for two years. That woman is a, that woman's a fucking saint. Oh my God, between her and my guardian angel, I feel so bad for them. She just absolutely changed my life for the better. And she gave me hope. My sponsor gave me hope. And she gave me understanding and she showed me patience and grace and love. Do I wish I could have gone back and had a sponsor earlier that I actually liked? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Of course I want a sponsor that I actually liked. But because I was stubborn and a pain in the ass, I just wasn't. I thought, as long as I just put the plug in the jug, I'll be good. But man, you guys, there is no hope in just putting the plug in the jug. I'm telling you that right now. There is absolutely no hope in just stopping drinking. You have to, have to find a program that has a solution to help you deal with life on life's terms. Because if you don't, I guarantee you, 
I can guarantee you that as much as I am a one chipper, that had I actually continued to white knuckle it and didn't ask for help after Brandon died, I guarantee you I would have drank. And I'm not saying, like I did early in the program, I wished I would have had a drink. No, I would have wanted that drink because I was subjecting myself to so much pain, unneeded pain, emotional pain, physical pain. There was just so much between 2018 and 2019 that, God, I hated. I hated so bad. And, you know, I just absolutely wanted to numb that pain. But because there was someone there for me that showed me what life was like in sobriety, she showed me on the daily her hope. She showed me on the daily her solution. When I was ready, I was like, yes, please help me. And she took me under her wing. She's like, okay. So there's hopelessness in the beginning. There's hopelessness in the middle. There's hopelessness if you truly, truly do not give yourself to this simple program. This program. Um, if you do, oh, what is it called? Jake, you're going to have to delete all this, like, hemming and hawing. I'm really sorry. Um, <sighs> celebrate Recovery. If you do Celebrate Recovery, that's another great program. Um, you know, there's things out there for people that don't subscribe to AA, but a majority of us do, and that's what I love. Um, it works so well that other programs use our 12 steps. There's so much hope in this program that I feel a little silly asking Jake to go in and say, hey, can you find examples of <laughs> hope in the big book? I think what I was looking for was a specific story, right? Just like a specific story who was talking about how like they mentioned hope like 85 times in the story I don't know I don't know what I was expecting but you know what the hope is with you yep it is the hope is with you the hope is with me there is hope in this program and it doesn't have to be all fear-based it doesn't have to be I'm so afraid of this I can't handle this you can you can. There's hope. You just gotta remember what I said. Only one can live there, faith or fear. Which one are you gonna pick? I want you to pick faith. I want you to pick the good. The hope. Because hopelessness is exhausting, you guys. Hopelessness is exhausting and sad and frustrating. And we are all here for you. We are all ready to help you turn your life around. We are ready to even get you through the bad days. If you're sober and you just need to bitch at someone, I'm here. Uh, Jake and I do it all the time. Uh, my friend Teresa and I do it all the time. My friend Danielle and I do it all the time. Like, my best friend Kayla and I, we do it all the time. Like, there are core people in my life that I don't hold back on. And that's okay. Because if that's what keeps you sober, if you coming to me and saying, I don't know you, but I need two minutes to just yell and vent and scream, don't tell me anything, just let me be heard, all right, I will let you be heard. 
So there's hope here. There's hope right here for you right now. It doesn't have to be painful. It doesn't have to be this hurtful. No matter what you are going through. I don't care if you are going through divorce, bankruptcy, foreclosure, losing your job. All of that is circumstantial. All of that can be brought back. You cannot be brought back. So please take a minute, take a deep breath, get it all out of your system and realize that there is hope, that we are here for you. This program's here for you. I'm here for you. And that you are worth saving. You are worth having around. You have touched someone's life somehow, somewhere, and you are going to make a change. You are going to make a difference. And I want you to know that even if it's not on some grandiose level, that your smile, that coffee you bought for someone, that nice outfit you said to someone, putting the cart back at Target, we know who the ones are that don't. We know. Don't be that person. All those little things that you do make an impact on someone's life or someone's day. And I just want you to know that I have hope for you. I've got enough for you right now. If you don't have enough for yourself, just know that I've got it for you. And I'll carry it. I'll carry you. I'll give it to you when you need. And um, when you're ready, you can take it. You can take it back and um, just know that the hopelessness, it goes away. It really does. The hopelessness goes away. And so does the shame and so does the guilt and so does the frustration. But when life happens, you have to remember that everything is circumstantial. Everything is fixable. But if you're not here to fix it, there's nothing that can be done. So make sure to take time for yourself this week. Make sure to find time in all the crazy, in all the busy, to take time for yourself. Give yourself that five minutes, that 20 minutes, that meditation, that workout, that reading the book. If you like outside, gross, doing things outside, go do something outside. Play ball with your dog, pet your bunnies. Take that five minutes for you. And the more you do that, the more you will learn to love yourself. But I'll be here loving you until you can't do that. And there's nothing you can do about that. So I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you through it. I'm going to love you through all the ugly because that's what we do. And that's what people did for me. So have a good rest of your week, fam. I really love you. And I have been missing out on doing my attitude of gratitude at the end of this. And I feel like such a jerk. So this week, I'm just thankful for my listeners. I'm thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for the people that literally make this program a program. Who download this every week. Who take it to heart. If you listen to it and nothing impacts you, someday it will. So keep listening. Keep coming back. And I am just so thankful for every single one of you. And I love you. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. 
And until next time, be well, fam.